It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at DDDNFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And uh, I said this when I had him on before. It doesn't get any higher than this. Uh, this guy is th- the leader of all things. It's President Mark Murphy of the Green Bay Packers. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Stephen, how are you? Not too bad. Uh, we spoke before and um, we're speaking again on the podcast, which I think in Irish terms makes us second cousins now, Mark. Are you OK with that? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you'll be getting invites. Well, I don't know if I go that far. But... <laughs> <laughs> I a, am Irish. Yeah, yeah. We we spoke about that. I, I was feeling why you were just such a such a great guy, Mark, and it must be the Irishness. Um, but no, in in all seriousness, it's brilliant to talk to you. You're the the leader of the organization that we know and love. But Mark, an awful lot has changed this season um, and I'd like to pick your brain on some of this some of the stuff you, you might not be able to go into because we understand it's kind of a, it's a personnel thing about certain people you can't go into but um, Ted Thompson uh, he's a bit of a Marmite mm-hmm. character for fans you know some fans loved him some fans didn't like him some fans agreed with him some fans didn't and it's just so much debate there but it cannot be played down what a fantastic job he did for the organization and as much as people you know, look at the draft and develop philosophy and might not agree with it from a fan perspective, from a sort of team building perspective. It seemed like an extremely sound way of going about it. And you've made it very clear. And so has uh, Brian Gutekunst that that's certainly the way to build a team because we look at the organization going into the future and not just a a one-hit wonder. And we've been incredibly successful with Ted Thompson at GM. How would you describe uh, Ted, Mark, and his legacy and his tenure as general manager of the Packers? Well, I, I I would agree with you. I mean, he's done a an excellent job, and I don't think he gets the credit publicly that he deserves. You know, he's not Ted's not the type. He doesn't promote himself. Um, mm. He's very humble. Uh, doesn't speak to the media a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't deny the the success that we've had is uh, pretty extraordinary. You know, and it's hard to win on a consistent basis in the NFL and. Year in and year out, you know, he he had us uh, competing uh, every year legitimately for a Super Bowl championship. Now we didn't win that many, but uh, we're in the con- uh, in the running and in contention every year. And he's just a steady, steady person. And uh, yeah, I, I'm really happy for him. I think uh, he's now, you know, he's transitioned to uh, uh, what we're calling a senior advisory role, yeah. really allowing him to to focus on what he enjoys most and what he loves to do. And that's, you know, he's going back to being a scout and he's breaking down film and, uh, you know, he's doing well. I think he's, uh, he's as happy as I've ever seen him. And, uh, yeah, I, I think the other thing, uh, you know, the transition to Brian, uh, has gone smoothly. And I think that's a credit to Ted. Uh, and he's been a big help to, to Brian, uh, as, uh, as Brian makes a transition and having, Somebody with uh, with Ted's background, and obviously they've worked together for a number of years. Uh, so I, I think it's been very positive so far. Yeah, and I mean, sort of a telling thing for me was when they caught up with Brian Gutekunst in the media recently, and they talked about how the, the Ron Wolf sort of scouting tree, let's call it, uh, were all together uh, at the, some of these meetings, and they were all taking pictures together. The one thing Brian said was that it was a pity that Ted wasn't there. So it kind of goes to show you how much regard he holds him in. But well, you know, there's also there's going to be a Ted Thompson scouting tree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's kind yeah. of he's sprouted his own. 
obviously, uh, you know, Ron uh, started a lot, but, you know, there's a lot of people that have trained and learned under Ted as well. Yeah, and I suppose he lived and died by the draft, effectively, you know, his scouting side of things, so extremely strong with that. But, Mark, one thing, sort of, from your perspective then as president, you know, you spoke an awful lot in the media because people had asked about the GM position and other coaching positions, and you said that you had this succession plan the way it all panned out in the end, did it go the way you saw it going? Or, you know, was that sort of process of trying to search for that new GM an awful lot more arduous and, and wasn't as clear cut as maybe you thought it was going to be? Well, you know, the the succession plan was that, you know, when Ted decided to step down or to, to move into another position, that we would uh, do a search. And at that time, we'd, uh, you know, make the decision that's in the best interest of the Packers. And uh, it was a pretty quick process, you know, once the season wrapped up, um, you know, we moved quickly, uh, putting together a search committee, and uh, we ended up interviewing uh, four different people for the position. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, Brian just really stood out. And uh, and I've always uh, had high regard for Brian, and but got to know him a little better through the uh, through the search process. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think uh, – yeah, I mean, time will tell, uh, but I think, you know, early on he's he's made some difficult decisions that I think uh, will be uh, really help us in the long run. Uh, and I'm, I'm anxious to, to see how, uh, how, how we perform uh, under his leadership. Yeah, and I mean, I, I guess, Mark, you've been spoiled a bit in the Packers organization because you've you've hired some fantastic people. And one of those that was splashed all over the media as a headline, of course, is Elliot Wolf. And I, I fully appreciate that you can't go into the nuts and bolts uh, of things and, and that Brian got the job and, you know, how close Elliot was to that is is your business, the Packers' business. But I, I guess we all understood that if, if Elliot wasn't to get that job, that he might move on. Was it a sad day to see? Because he would have been seen as a fantastic employee. He was promoted heavily in the Packers. He got up, you know, incredibly high for a man of such a young age. Was it sad to see him go in the end and... Um, you know, have you got any thoughts on that, Mark? Uh, yeah, you know, it. Uh, I mean, he obviously had to ask to talk to Elliot, but I, in my mind, um, yeah, I think it's a good move for him. Um, he's very talented. He's going to be. He's, he'll be a, a general manager someday. Um, you know, I mean, one of the things in looking at his background, the fact that he's never been anywhere uh, other than Green Bay, uh, it's a little bit of a, an issue. Um, and so I think now, you know, be able to get experience in Cleveland, um, helping rebuild that organization, uh, I think that's going to help him. And, uh, you know, I, th- I anticipate the Browns doing well, and I think, uh, you know, within a few years he'll be a general manager. So I think it ended up being good for him. Uh, obviously, you know, he and Brian uh, were close, had good relations. Uh, but I think it was probably uh, best for everybody that uh, that he moved on. Yeah. And and Brian came out in the initial presser and said that he was going to be in every conversation of free agency. Uh, he used the word aggressive when really you can interpret that in multiple different ways, you know, active versus aggressive, not just sort of throwing money at candidates or players that you think, uh, you know, and overpaying. And he certainly definitely seemed to stick to that. I mean, we see Jimmy Graham come in, Mo Wilkerson come in, both the top players at that position that were available. So that's some fantastic dealing there. But one that really took me back was, uh, you know, the release of Jordy Nelson, uh, and he said that it was for the best of the Packers. And he came out the day that it happened in front of the media and answered all their questions. 
Have you been impressed with his openness and his communication there? Because I, I guess, Mark, you've seen Brian for so many years behind the scenes and you know the way he works. So I guess it's not a surprise to you. This is exactly why you put him in the job. But, you know, is he is he operating the way you expect him to operate at this early stage? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, and, you know, those are the tough decisions. I mean, it's uh, it's really, really difficult. But... With the hard salary cap that we have, you know, you 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 can't pay everybody, and uh, <laughs> you have to make difficult decisions on how how you allocate your money. And um, yeah, and I, you know, I give I give Brian credit. You know, he sat down in person and he he uh, he met with Jordy, explained kind of the thought process, and uh, yeah, it's difficult. I mean, he, I mean, you're not going to find a better person than Jordy Nelson. I mean, it just First class, uh, you know, highly respected uh, in our locker room. Did everything the right way. He was our player rep, so he was respected uh, by his teammates. Uh, he's respected across the league, and um, you know, I'm I'm happy for him. You know, uh, you know, he ended up. He's got a good deal. He's got a very good contract, uh, two year deal with uh, with the Raiders. Yeah. And fully expect him to come back on a one-day deal to retire a Packer. Hopefully, well, I'll tell you, he'll he'll he's going to be in our Hall of Fame, and he'll mm. always be a Packer. And uh, you know, yeah, sometimes you have to have a, a longer-term perspective. I mean, it it seems, you know, the the all you, it's easy to just focus on this, and uh, but and I know Jordy was disappointed, but uh, you know, like I said, I mean, he landed on his feet. He's he's got a great situation in Oakland, and. Uh, in the long run, uh, he'll be remembered as a backer and he'll come back for uh, for games and be be inducted into our Hall of Fame. Yeah, and then famously he has, you know, he's the face of the, the Bellin um, deal there just outside yeah. Rambo as well. So, yeah, he's, I suppose he's always going to be around uh, in image anyway, uh, that's for sure. But one thing I wanted to pick your brain as well, Mark, is that without through this whole process is that the change of command with the, you know, the GM reporting to you, the head, co- head coach reporting to you, um, you know, it seems like a pretty big change. Was this on the cards for a while or was this kind of when you did your evaluation process after this season and you, you picked through some things and, and realized, okay, this is what we need to do going forward? Yeah, it's, uh, it was really kind of through, uh, through, the, uh, through the process, uh, the, the interview process and the search process. Um, it was pretty clear to me that there were two really important people in our football operations that I wanted to make sure I kept. And obviously it was Brian and then uh, uh, Russ Ball. And mm-hmm. so giving uh, giving Russ additional responsibilities uh, and having him report to me, uh, I thought uh, made, made sense. And then, you know, the um, with Brian – um, you know, he's a first time general manager and so limiting his responsibilities. So I took a lot of responsibilities that normally had gone to Ted, uh, although Russ was performing most of them uh, and officially gave them to, to Russ. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, the issue of uh, having Mike report to me rather than uh, than the Brian kind of the thought process was, uh, number one, I wanted to make sure that we had open communication. We'd had a lot of silos that I felt had been developed over time, didn't have really good communication uh, within football. So having everybody uh, report to me, I thought made sense. 
And also, quite honestly, for Brian, you know, as a first-time GM, to kind of narrow his responsibilities to what's most important, and that's, you know, determining the uh, the 90-man and the 53-man roster, and uh, as well as the draft. And so this really allows him to, to focus on that uh, rather than some of the other things that uh, the Ted had to deal with. Yeah, and I mean, Brian, from what I see outwardly, and, and and again, I sort of look at myself and say, well, what do I know? But outwardly, Brian seems like an excellent communicator. So would the sort of viewpoint be in the future that you would reinstate some of that back to Brian, or is this the structure going forward? Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how things uh, things progress in the future. But yeah, it, I certainly could see that, see him taking on additional responsibilities. And you're a busy man, Mark. Does this make you yeah. incredibly more busy? <laughs> I mean, what's your workload uh, like now? Is, no, is it completely no. different for you? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, we, I made some changes in terms of uh, our uh, organizational structure, um, promoted uh, Ed Policy to uh, Chief Operating Officer. Mm-hmm. So he's taken on some of my administrative responsibilities or business responsibilities. So it freed me up a little bit uh, yeah. so I can spend more time on the football side. Yeah. But I, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm going to be more involved in football, but I'm not going to be making football decisions. That makes sense. I'm not, not going to select, uh, I'm not going to tell Brian who to draft or Mike mm. McCarthy who should start at cornerback. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's my job to make sure that, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I guess, the, my main job is to to make hire good people and make sure they have the resources and support they need to be successful. And uh, you know, now I think one of the main things is making sure that we've got open and honest communication with each other. Yeah. So fourth and two NFC Championship game, two seconds left. We're not going to see Mark Murphy with the headset on on the field, basically. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh... Look, another thing that came out in the media, um, away from all of that kind of stuff, is that... The By the way, I hope we're in the NFC Championship game. <laughs> <laughs> I've known that we will. I've not, I should have said Super Bowl. I should have went higher. Um, so, <laughs> well, so we look, could win it. We didn't say, you didn't say win or lose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, we've already ran up the score. We're, we're dropping a 50-burger on whoever mm-hmm. we're playing. <laughs> um, so, uh, rule changes. And that, that's been a big sort of buzz thing around the NFL, especially with yourself with the competition uh, committee. The two main ones that kind of catch my eye are the catch rule um, and the t- yeah. well, it's not really called a targeting rule. Um, can you talk to us a little the bit about the use of the helmet? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, can, are these are these pretty troublesome and pretty difficult things to officiate with the way the rules are written at the moment? And is there going to be an awful lot of back and forth going on? Well, the obviously the uh, the catch uh, no catch rule has uh, has been difficult to yeah. officiate, and what we tried to do is to make it a little more objective. Mm. Uh, so now, uh, so in the past. Uh, one of the big things that I think caused problems is if you went to the ground, you had to survive the ground, and you know we saw all that. Now it's a little clearer that you know you have to um, you have to have control, and then two feet, and then be able to make a football act. Yeah. And uh, so uh, a third step is a football act. Um, if if diving to cross the goal line is is a football act so makes it a little more objective um, mm. in the past what we would say is uh control two feet and the ability to become a runner yeah and 
So if you were going to the ground or diving, you couldn't become a runner. So I think this is should allow for more catches. Um, you also might have more fumbles. You'll have a number of plays, I think, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I think you'll have plays where uh, you control, catch the ball two feet, your third feet hits the ground, and then, then you get hit and fumble. That mm. would be a fumble where might have been an incompletion in the past. Yeah. Yeah, adds, adds to the excitement. So then this dropping of the helmet then, I mean, it. I, I see some sort of narrative in the media that it's going to be off if the quarterback is doing a quarterback sneak and he drops the helmet to get the extra yardage. That's not the case, right? No, no, it's not. It's it's really, it's meant out in open space. Yeah. Um, and, and we can show you. It's, uh, um, you know, it's it's a tactic that, you know, the. I guess I'd say, Stephen, the bigger picture kind of stepping back is what's really happened over time is that, we, uh, you know, everybody involved in football has allowed players to use the helmet as a weapon. Mm. And really, when you think of that, the helmet wasn't designed to be a weapon. The helmet's protective. Yeah. And uh, in some ways, you know, I mean, this sounds kind of crazy, but when they had leather helmets <laughs> and were when they had single bar face mask or no face mask, you didn't see players, you know, leading with their helmet. Yeah. But you know, now the players have a sense that they're invincible, uh, and this is really dangerous. We we saw a lot of plays. You know, when the player really uses his head as a his helmet as a weapon and the spear, and when the head is lined up directly uh, in line with the spine, you know that that's a really dangerous play. And and it's not only to the player being hit, but the player doing the hitting, and and obviously the risk for concussion is very high, but also spinal. Uh, injury yeah. so uh you know i this is it's a big move and uh and it's because right now we have protections of players in certain circumstances like if you're a defenseless receiver or if uh you are running downfield and uh, you can't be blocked from the blind side mm. but now this this gives you this prevents a tactic so it gives broader protection to players yeah, and I think it's going to take some time to to get uh, for the officials to to get used to it. But I think in the long run, this is really good for the sport. I think you'll see uh, colleges and high school adopt the rule, and uh, yeah, we we've just got to get this this tactic out of the game. We saw many many plays from last year where there were serious injuries on it as a result of this. Yeah, Trevathan and Devontae Adams was one that really shocked me. Yeah, those are two really good examples. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the Steelers, uh, Ryan Shazier. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that was, it wasn't a vicious hit, but, you know, he led with his helmet. And, uh, but, and, you know, he's he's had a number of hits like that uh, that have caused injury to him and opponents uh, over the last few years. You know, I don't know if uh, I read it. The when that that injury happened, I think it was uh, I think it was the Steelers Bengals game. Uh, Charles Wilson, I think, was there, so it probably was a Monday night game. And Charles, when he saw it, you know, he talked about it at halftime. He said, you, you know, you you don't leave with your head. You have to keep your head up. And you know, I think that Charles is right. I mean, it's this is really about proper form and tackling. And you know, keep head. See what you see what you hit. Keep your head up, and use your shoulders rather than your helmet, and wrap up. Yeah, 
you know, our players, you know, and it's not a lot, but it, it does happen a lot. They fly around like missiles and <laughs> yeah. they, they use the helmet, you know, as a spear. And it's funny, you know, the coaches were, coaches were really strong about this at our meeting. Uh, you know, they, they, they want to see this out. Uh, and none of the, none of the coaches, the coaches says no, nobody teaches this. So, yeah, I, the, but you know, the, the players are, have meant, a lot of players use it. Not a lot, but a number of players use it as a, a, a tactic. Yeah, and I think you highlighted it as well and sort of after that committee that it's not only defensive players that use this, offensive players use this as a weapon too. You can see a running back oh, as space. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Adrian Peterson, we put a rule on a number of years ago for you couldn't you cannot ram butt or spear and you know, there were a lot of he'd get out in the open field and he was like a it was like literally like a, a ram. You know, he'd yeah. get his helmet down and just you know, run, just use that as a weapon. Yeah. Yeah, and these guys are, are big, big, fast, and strong. So the injuries are just catastrophic. We've we've seen doctors come out and say that they've seen NFL players, and it's because again that that's part of this, right? That doctors came out and said that from a medical standpoint, there's not a lot of stats on this that this can't go on because of the injuries. I guess it's like car crash stuff. But uh, Mark, I know you're an incredibly busy man, so. Again, I'm going to throw in sure. our own personal interest at the very end here, if you'd oblige us and, and be able to shed some light on it. So every year we cross our fingers and toes and everything else. We get down to the local church and we light candles and pray to God and hope that the Packers make their way over for an away game in London. Um, can across you say, the pond. Across no. the pond, yeah. Um, so, and we'd make it, look, believe us, we'd make it a home game for you over here if you's come over. And if, oh, gosh, I know. And if, if, the, if the issue with the, with the other owners or whoever organizes this type of stuff is, is revenue, tell them we'll pay them twice and three times what uh, we pay for a normal international series game. We'll cover that up and we'll buy you points when you're over here. But, Mark, can you give us a sort uh, of a... Okay. Can you give us a, a background as to, uh, first off, how likely is it that the Packers play an away game um over here over the next couple of years and can you give us sort of a background of because we get this narrative over here is like oh you know the Packers aren't coming over you know do they not want to come over but can you give us a sense of how you feel about it and maybe what the process is and what the barriers are for you coming over that sure. has stopped it to, to date yeah no we definitely we we would love to play in London we want to and we think it'd be great for uh, our organization it'd be great obviously for our fans uh here and uh in uh, in Europe um we don't we don't want to do it enough that we would give up a home game though yeah. we're you know the home games just mean too much to the community here um but so it really then comes down to what what team would be willing to give up uh, a home game against the Packers. So we thought this year there was a chance uh, with uh, in the 2018 schedule. Uh, we play the Rams and the Jets were two possible options. Problem is that we travel so well uh, that teams are very reluctant to give up uh, home games against the Packers. And I think it's become a little more difficult because a lot of the teams have gone to variable pricing and usually we're the highest tier, uh, so it becomes even more of a, you know, a, a, you, you lose even more revenue. Um, a couple things that have helped, uh, so the league can require a team to play an international game if it, uh, if it has, uh, is playing in a temporary stadium or is uh, going to host a Super Bowl. So those are our best chance, you know, and, and so I'm hoping in 19, 2019 or 2020 that we can uh, 
we'll, we'll finally get a game there. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to be it's going to take the league being involved. Uh, I think that would be very helpful. Because we even saw at the Winter Olympics, we saw people there with cheese heads on and Packers shirts. So talk about traveling well. If you're going to go over to Asia to watch the Winter Olympics, yeah. and there are no Packers yeah, games on. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We guess we don't stand a chance in that regard. Mark, you've been absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, putting up with me asking you what you had for breakfast and everything else, uh, and for all your time, yeah. uh, leader of the organization to come on the podcast. And we really, really appreciate you over here and the time that you spent. So thanks so much. Oh, thanks, Stephen. I look forward to, uh, to seeing you. Hopefully, uh, make it for another game this year. Mark Murphy, ladies and gentlemen, um, edge of the seat stuff, to be honest, uh, to hear him talk about the stuff that we only read about and speculate about behind the scenes. But talking about exciting stuff, uh, we have the blog back on UKPackers.co.uk. So we're going to have written articles coming at you. Uh, multiple times a week so that's exciting stuff the first one is up by a guy called peter jones super knowledgeable guy packer fan since the 70s and he delves into the top 10 packers in his opinion that have not yet been inducted into the pro football hall of fame it's an absolute crack and read and i'd recommend everybody go to ukpackers.co.uk and hit the blog and go to it and we announced it and we came through and followed through on a promise we are bringing uh, packers march to the uk we've been doing it a while now with the 1919 uh, Raz, but we wanted to have something more solid so that anybody who doesn't want to put their man cave fate into fate, fate, uh, what they what they could do is they could buy Packers merch, and that's exactly what we've done. We've imported; it's gone incredibly successfully, um, and we're already looking into our second shipment. So to celebrate this, we have an Aaron Rodgers item on the store right now, and if you're listening to this. We've reduced that to a stupid price uh, just to celebrate 1919 shop opening with it being so going so great and all you guys getting um, bargain basement prices and all your merch because that's what it's all about is giving the cheapest price that we can uh, to the fan base over here so that you can start filling that fan cave. Uh, let's not call it a man cave. So head along to ukpackers.co.uk forward slash 1919 shop. I believe, if you're looking at March. And of course, sign up if you're not a member. Follow at UK Packers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Get into the closed group on Facebook as well. Um, and any questions, give us a DM. And it's very, very shortly uh, going to be announced what the schedule is. It's rumored to be the 19th of April. So hopefully on the 20th of April, if it does come out on the 19th, we'll be announcing our UK Packers tour as well. So an awful lot of exciting stuff coming up. So that's all for this week. Um, it's been an absolute blockbuster one with Mark Murphy on. Hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a comment. And talk to you guys next week.